Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast by Worthy. I'm Jennifer Butler, and I'm your host. We notice that so many women in our Worthy community are navigating through high-conflict divorce situations. These types of divorces can include long, drawn-out court battles, ongoing hostility, restraining orders, allegations of domestic abuse, financial abuse, physical abuse, and sexual abuse, a lack of parties' ability to communicate, and wars over custody. Although research indicates that most divorces are in fact low conflict, anyone going through a high conflict divorce knows firsthand the stress and anxiety that pervades the entire experience. Our guest today, Larry Bloom, is a highly respected divorce attorney in New York and New Jersey and is an expert in dealing with these types of cases. Larry is here to provide us with insight and wisdom on how to best navigate through high conflict divorce situations. If you or anyone you know finds yourself in a situation like any of these, I highly recommend listening today and taking some notes. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with our guest, Larry Bloom, discussing how to navigate through high conflict divorce. When you sell a piece of jewelry, you can't control how much it's worth, but you can make sure that you're selling smart with a team of experts and advocates behind you at Worthy. Your engagement ring can be a financial asset that allows you to embrace a new and fulfilling life after divorce. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Larry Bloom is a contested matrimonial lawyer for the past 39 years, handling matters in New York and New Jersey. He's a graduate of Cornell University and Albany Law School and has been a member of the New York Bar for almost 40 years, as well as the New Jersey Bar for over 35 Larry has handled cases in both states and has handled appeals in both, with some of his cases creating law that is still relied on today. He has written for Psychology Today and hosted an internet radio show called The Divorce Hour with Larry Bloom, all episodes now living as podcasts on the Divorce Hour page of Larry's website, divorcebybloom.com. Larry, we're very happy to have you here with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yes. I guess just start by sharing a little bit about yourself and the work you do so that our audience can just get to know you a little bit. Well, let's see. I started life as a lawyer doing a little bit of everything and found that the only thing I was truly interested in was helping people with their matrimonial problems. I found most of the other areas of the law to be pretty boring, whereas uh, a matrimonial client really needed me and I seemed to make a difference to my clients. Mm. I did get a job originally back in the early 80s working for a matrimonial practitioner where we tried cases, we did appeals, we made motions in the appellate division. We were serious gung-ho litigators. Right. And what I found out doing that was that it was better for the lawyer than it was for the client. So as I formed my own practice... I tried less and less cases and I did less and less appeals trying to leverage my ability to litigate into better settlements on behalf of my client. Mm. Then uh, about 10 years ago, I went through my own contested divorce case and I learned a lot more than I had learned the previous 30 years. I learned to be empathetic. I learned to uh, not fight over the nonsense 
and to only fight about what was important. So it's from that framework that I based my practice. Again, leveraging my ability to fight for a client to try a case in order to get the best possible settlement for a client. Everything cost effectively, and they're still getting the best result possible. Yeah, you know, I love what you're saying, because I think that there's a lot of, I don't want to say controversy, but like, you know, a, a lot of ickiness in the kind of divorce litigation world. And I think that sometimes it can feel like you don't know if you who you can trust. And what comes through so clearly when you speak is really your passion and care for, you know, keeping the focus on what's important and really being an advocate for your client. Well, I try. I do the best I can. Yeah. So I just want you to know that that's what comes through. And and I know I appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners will appreciate what you have to say coming from that perspective. So thank you. Well, I have almost 40 years as an armchair psychologist. I'm not really trained for it. So I recommend (laughs) to my clients that they have professional sounding boards rather than just me. I'll be happy to listen. But the truth is somebody who's trained to do it charges less money per hour than I do. (laughs) Right. That's great. So we are going to kind of talk specifically today about high conflict divorce. And I know you're an expert in that. And I know that a lot of the people in our community at Worthy, you know, they're not experiencing the sort of friendly kind of, you know, non-conflictual divorce, they're, they're experiencing high conflict, high stress. There's a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty. And so I thought that it would be really wonderful for you to share your expertise on high conflict. And so I guess let's just start with what defines a high conflict divorce? How does somebody know that they're in a high conflict divorce versus a low conflict divorce? Well, A low-conflict divorce is when you're pretty much agreeable and you just need to hammer out some final details. But if your spouse doesn't want to talk, doesn't want to settle, doesn't want to agree, you are probably in a high-conflict divorce. It's If you're married to a narcissist, chances are you will have to have a high-conflict divorce. Right. If you are a narcissist and everybody's a little bit narcissistic, then you will also wind up being in a conflict divorce. The trick is, I mean, if you have something that's close, you can go to mediation or you could do something called collaborative divorce. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, you need to flex your muscles. Right. And that's really my job. My job is to put you in the best possible light and to make the other side want to give up. So... You brought up mediation and collaborative divorce. Is it ever possible to go that way with with high conflict with, let's say, a narcissist in the divorce process? The answer, the short answer is it depends. Okay. What happens is I practice in two states. And in New Jersey, before you get a contested trial, you have to both go before an early settlement panel, which is kind of like mediation. Uh Uh-huh. Then you have to go to a formal mediation, at least an hour's worth of it. And that's to narrow the issues and to see how it can work. And you do that with your lawyer, as opposed to if you were using a mediator in New York, you'd probably just go with your spouse to the mediator without lawyers. Right. And you see how expensive 
even the mediation processes, and you learn that you've been in court a couple of times at that point, and, uh, you know, a half a day of legal fees is thousands of dollars. Right. The trick is to get both sides to understand that it's worth their while to try to resolve the case. Right. I'm a big fan of, of mediation. My own divorce was settled in the mediation process in New Jersey. I was not my lawyer, but I did have a lawyer, and we were able to come to an agreement that both sides were equally unhappy with. <laughs> so, yes, it's possible, even when you hate each other, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. In New York, they do things a little different. The substance of the law is generally the same, but the procedures are different. Right. In New Jersey, you have to go to something, if you have kids, you have to go to something called a parental education class. You actually pay a separate $25 fee for that. In New York, they're starting some trial programs for it. I'm a big advocate of it because I've seen too many kids in the middle of divorces. Absolutely. And so just what I'm hearing is there really is a trick because you hear about cases that get caught up in court for years on end. That's true. And there are, you know, people who have issues they don't want to settle. Yeah. I mean, I had a case where the the parties were Swiss expatriates and the husband wanted the kids to go back with to Switzerland with them. And the wife wanted the kids to stay in New York with her. Mm. And both of them drew a line in the sand and we had a seven week trial. And it was ridiculously expensive. And both sides felt they lost it together. Right. Because the kids stayed in New York, but the wife didn't get much support for herself. Right. So in both states, if, and this is kind of how I got involved with Worthy and talking about, was that where there's an economic disparity between the spouses, there is a mechanism in both states and in most states for the non-moneyed spouse to make an application for fees to be paid by the, the wealthier husband or wife. So mm. there is a way, uh, they call it leveling the economic scales of justice. That's the term the, the courts use. But it's right. basically awarding counsel fees so that both sides can have somewhat equal footing. They'll never have equal footing because the person with more money is not dependent upon court awards to get their fees. Right, exactly. When you make that application, is that are the fees provided then up front or is it you go through the process and then you hope that at some point the court will award the fees later? Okay. The best way for me to answer that question is you do it both, first of all. Ah. But if a non-moneyed, let's say, wife comes in to see me and her husband either owns a business or makes a lot of money doing something else, I am probably going to be making a motion to the court at the early stages for an award of interim support. And at the same time, I'll make a request for fees. And the way I structure my retainer agreements in those cases is that I take a small upfront fee with the understanding that the fee is, would have been more and that I'll be seeking fees for the spouse to pay. And then if I either I don't get the award or the spouse doesn't pay the fee, I don't become an indentured servant, so I have a way of getting out of the case. Right. If your lawyer is not being paid and your lawyer wants to be paid, they're not going to be happy. So, you know, there are lawyers out there who will do cases pro bono, and there are certainly a lot of women's rights groups and uh, battered spouse programs that have legal services attached to them. Right. You just have to kind of search for those. You, you do a little homework. 
Okay. We have the internet now for all of that. So the interim support is something you apply for. So if you're a non-working spouse, I've had people come to me, clients say that, you know, they were the non-working spouse and their husband basically said, I want a divorce and wipe the bank accounts clean. And this has been kind of something that has really blown my mind because the woman who came to me felt very stuck because she felt like she couldn't access any sort of team to support her because she had no access to any money at all. Except that the good point about that is that he took the money out of an account and there's a paper trail. Ah. It's the guys that have cash businesses that make unreported cash money disappear that you have a problem. I see. I mean, I have a case now where my my client took $25,000 out of the joint account and closed the account. But that was after his wife took 15000 you know, two days before that. Right. So the, the trick is if you've got paperwork and you've got a trail, a good lawyer can find that and we can get that back. I'm not going to say relatively quickly, but it's not going to look nice when you show the judge the proof. Right, right, right. So how do you determine and find a spouse's assets if, let's say, they have a cash business or they've been hiding? Well, then what you have to do in those circumstances is you either need a private investigator who watches the business and sees what comes in and what goes out. Better yet, you hire a forensic accountant. Uh, and you also compare it with an expense analysis. If a husband's reporting $10,000 a year but they're living in a mansion with four cars, right? you know, and paying cash for everything, then the court will impute income and the forensic accountant can also make a determination as to the value of the business. Mm -hmm. It's a two-pronged approach. You want to get your interest in the business and you want to get support for yourself and your children. Right. Going through a divorce, no matter what the, the circumstances are, is stressful, it's emotional, there's a lot going on. And then add into this the additional high conflict piece and really having to wrap your head around the steps in doing all this. You know, what do people going through this really need to keep their focus and attention on? Like, where should their energy be directed so that they don't sort of get swallowed up by this process? Okay. Well, the first thing you want to do as far as I'm concerned, is you want to get your documents together. If you've got bank records, brokerage house records, things of that nature, you know, copy everything in sight and get it out of the house, preferably your lawyer or your accountant's office, so that your, your husband or wife can't steal them away from you. Uh -huh. You also want to take care of your kids. You want to take care of yourself emotionally. You want to take care of your kids. If that means a child psychologist, and there are a lot of resources now. What I'm finding as I'm getting older, and I've, again, I've been doing this for almost 40 years, is that there's something called the team approach. There are certified financial divorce analysts. There are divorce coaches or people, some have psychological training, other have accounting training. Yeah. Help you do the, you know, the nitty gritty paperwork stuff that you don't want to spend the high hourly rate with your lawyer on. Therapists who, you know, specialize in putting people together. There are therapists who specialize in children. Right. There are therapists who do individual things. 
And then there are the lawyers who are mediating. I often get the question, do you know any mediators? And my first response always is, what kind of a mediator do you want? Do you want a psychologist who can, or a social worker who can help you work through the parenting issues, custody? Do you want an accountant? Do you want a lawyer or a retired judge? Because there are specialists for everything. Right, exactly. So really get your documents, but then really figure out what type of services you need specifically for yourself and your children so that you can really be effective and be as healthy as possible throughout this process. Right. You don't want to trust somebody who has divided loyalties. So you don't mm. want to go to the family accountant because they, they're going to go back to your spouse. Right. You don't want to go to the family financial advisor because they're going to go back to your spouse. Right. You want to get independent people. And you okay. can start anywhere you want. You can, you can go to your accountant who can refer you to a lawyer who could refer you to the to the uh, advisor. You go to the advisor who can refer you out. You go to the lawyer. I often give out names of accountants, forensic accountants, financial advisors, of course, trying to get, you know, usually giving more than one to everybody. Mm-hmm. Because, number one, I don't want anybody to think that somebody's in my back pocket because nobody is. Right. Um, and because different strokes for different folks. Yeah. You know, certain personalities work for certain personalities. Right. Yes. For instance, I'm a fairly informal guy. So if you're looking for, you know, a white shoe law firm, I'm not the right guy for it. Right. If you're looking for somebody who's capable of doing a street fight, but understands the goals are to resolve it, I'm your guy. Right. No, that makes sense. I mean, you want to have a good fit. You want to feel like you're understood, like you can understand your team, because not everybody's right for everybody. Right. So when you are gathering your team in these high conflict divorce situations, is it smart to ask the question, you know, is this some in your wheelhouse? Have you dealt with high conflict in the past? Because it, it seems like it's a, a sort of kind of bearer of its own. Here's the problem. No lawyer is going to say, oh, no, I don't do high conflict. They're going to lie. They're going to say they do. Uh, well, they do all kinds of divorce. Right. You know, I'm smart enough and been around long enough that if I think your case is a collaborative or a mediated case, I'm going to make that recommendation to you because, quite frankly, I don't need to have every client who walks in the door right. hire me. I also know that there are certain people who are better. Like I had a, a woman who came in very pregnant, and I have a friend who at the time was a pregnant woman lawyer who I thought the client wasn't crazy about me, but I thought this other woman lawyer would be perfect for the client. Right. So, you know, I passed that name away. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it really, I mean, it really is about also taking the time to educate yourself and check in with yourself and make sure like you really feel like you can work with this person for however long it's going to take and be comfortable. Yes. I use this analogy. Hiring a divorce lawyer is like buying a pair of shoes. you got to try on a couple. Right. You have to see what's comfortable. You have to see what's going to work for you. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so getting documents, really taking care of your kids and yourself and putting services intact for whatever's going to keep you healthy and keep your kids healthy, gathering your team anywhere else. Anyone going through high conflict divorce should be focused. You got to really get that help so that you can compartmentalize your issues. 
You know, don't right. come into my office and cry because I'm not good at that. You could, that's, that's your therapist. Give me information so that we can discuss strategies and the means by which to foster those strategies into a plan that we want. Yeah. Kind of keep everything where it belongs. Oh, so everybody's different. I've got different strong suits. I don't keep a box of tissues on my desk. Right. No, that makes sense. Some some will have a box of tissues on their desk and others won't. Um, so we're going to take a really quick break actually right here. And when we come back, I know you mentioned the children before a couple times, but you know, I would love to just kind of put a little bit of focus on them specifically in these high conflict situations and just help our listeners know, you know, best ways that they can really safeguard and, and help them through this. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more from Larry Bloom. When I decided to sell my jewelry after my divorce, the most important thing to me was finding a company that I could trust and one that would also advocate for me. I found this and so much more at Worthy. Their expert staff immediately put me at ease and helped me to get the best price possible for my jewelry. Your engagement ring can be a symbol of your freedom, your journey, and the choices you have made to live your life on your terms and create the future you desire. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. We're back with Larry Bloom discussing high conflict divorce. And so far, we've been chatting about where people's focus really needs to be when they're in a high conflict divorce situation. And now we're going to touch on the kids because the kids really do have no choice but to be kind of along for the ride. And so when there's these high conflict situations, I imagine there's things that parents can do to really try to safeguard their children and if with any luck, hopefully keep them out of it as much as possible. Okay, the first thing that you should do, anybody should do, is go on Google and look for Children's Bill of Rights in Divorce. Mm. And it will give you a list of, of do's and don'ts. Don't call the other parent a nasty name. Right. You know, don't disparage the children. Yeah, don't put them in the middle. Right. Keep them as free from it as possible. Kids are really smart. They're intuitive Mm -hmm. at almost any age. They know when there's a problem with their parents. And usually the fact that they're getting divorced will be a relief to to many children. Right. Absolutely. And make sure that they, you know, if they get need help, they get help. Talk to the teachers depending on the ages of the kids. Talk to the school psychologist. Talk to the guidance counselor. Say, we're about to go through a divorce. What kind of services does the school provide? You know, in this day and age, I'm not going to say half the kids, but a large portion of children have IEP, individual educational plans, where they get extra help on things. Mm -hmm. There's an emotional factor in that. You know, most schools have school psychologists where they share as a school psychologist with other schools in the in the district. So use the services that are there. If you need a private child psychologist, by all means, get one. Right. That's where you should be spending your money. Yeah. So really gathering the team that your child needs. And what I'm hearing, too, is that I think sometimes the instinct with divorce is like, 
I think some shame sometimes kicks in and we want to stay quiet, right? We don't want to tell anybody. We want to keep it secret. And it sounds like what you're really advocating for for kids is the more you can really get the people in their lives involved so that they have support, so that they have understanding, that is what is going to help them through as opposed to really trying to kind of keep them silent and isolated from from support. Right. Get them as much help as they can. Right. You know, and like I said before, I mean, I feel like even the most friendly of divorces comes with some stress and emotion and, and overwhelm. But these especially, I mean, what can our listeners do in this type of divorce to really, throughout the process, keep their sanity, their their own sense of peace intact? And then, you know, throughout the divorce and then after too, like, how do they come through this without losing themselves? You got to have people that you can talk to. You got to have support systems. But one thing that I did want to mention that I, I had forgotten before, you don't want to get into a videotaping and audio taping war with your spouse. You don't want to set up situations where your kids are in the middle. It's it's just bad for the, the child. And most judges don't want to see it. Right. Don't want to use social media. I can't tell you how many times I see pictures of kids on social media, you know, in the middle of a divorce. Mm. Or I have a case now where I represent mom and both spouses have been told, don't say bad things about the other in the presence of the child. And the father posts on Facebook a video with him in the car and the child talking badly about the mother. It's silly. Oh, my gosh. So will the judge look at that, though, or the judge just doesn't even want to see that? Sometimes they will. Sometimes they won't. Right. Depends on the judge. You know, it's kind of like Donald Trump. If you could see it in front of him on TV rather than read about it, it's the, it's an easier way for the judge to get the information. Right. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And we lawyers are guilty of beating a dead horse. You know, we, why give you one pay, piece of paper when we can give you 20? So the video is what it is, but you would rather, you know, I, I'm not suggesting that when you go to pick up your child for a visit or the other side picks up your child for a visit that the, the video cameras go. I, I, I just think that's bad for them. And I think it's bad for your kids. So, but if you're in a situation where there is you know, some sort of toxic environment for the child. Maybe there's a suspicion of abuse or drug use or, or alcoholism or just anything. And you're seeing unsafe conditions when you're picking up your child. You know, I know I've heard, make sure you're documenting, make sure you're photographing. You can also hire an investigator, you know, an independent third party who will come into court if necessary and testify. Okay. So the judge can hear a live witness say, this is what he did. This is where I saw him pay this money for this white powder, things of that nature. Right, right, right. So it is important in those circumstances to do your best to have evidence of that, especially for protection of your child. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so you started saying, you know, having a support system, having friends to keep your sanity. <laughs> and you got to know which... Which friends you can trust and which friends you can't trust. Yeah, that's true. You do. The problem is that some of your friends decide they want to be friends with both of you, 
and then you never know what who's saying what to who. Right. If you're going to vent, vent to somebody you know is on your side, not somebody who might be on, on the other side. Yeah, and I imagine, like, keep that circle small, right? Like, it's got to be someone, you know, people that you really trust. <laughs> and I think, too, what you said before was really important about knowing which battles to fight. You know, not kind of fighting every single little thing, but knowing what to let go of and what's worth fighting for. Right. You know, the classic example I always give is when TVs, you know, high-end TVs cost $1,000, you don't want to spend $5,000 fighting about it. Right, right, right. And it sounds silly. But I know for me, when I when I ran away from home and I started my divorce action, I didn't take anything. I took one, I asked for permission to take one TV that wasn't being used. And I had some inherited property that I, you know, stuff, furniture that I took with me. And then I bought new stuff because I didn't want the issue of fighting with it. Right. Pick your battles. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if these types of divorce divorces are handled correctly, what is possible? You know, what becomes possible in in that situation if you have a good team and you have support and you have an attorney who is really advocating for you and helping you stay on track and focused and fighting for what's important, but letting go of the unnecessary? Right. Anything's possible. As an example... The only thing I told my divorce lawyer was that I wanted to be be able to retire someday. So we structured a settlement which was front-loaded. All my payments were at the beginning so that after a period of time, I didn't, all my payments were done. Right. And now with the change in the tax law, where alimony is no longer deductible to the payer or includable in income by the recipient, then you have a little more flexibility. In the old days, you'd want to make sure that you were getting maximum tax deductions. Now you can't get any tax deductions. Right, right. Still need a, a tax professional because certain assets have a higher or lower tax basis so that when you sell them, there may be a capital gain, higher capital gain versus a lower capital gain. But that's why you need the team. That's why you need the accountants. Right. Okay. So when these are handled properly, it is... You know, you, you can make it work. You can find a way through it. And you were saying creativity is important right. in getting through. Figure out what your goals are and then work with your team, and particularly your lawyer, to get as many of those. You're not going to get everything you want. Right. But you should be able to get some of those things. Yeah. No, that's great. All right. So is there anything else that you would like to share? Um before we end today? Uh, let's see. Try to save up your communications with your lawyer so that you're only emailing once or twice a day or calling once or twice a day rather than 10 times. Because mm. number one, it gets expensive that way. And number two, you want your lawyer to focus on everything at once and not think, oh, it's her again or it's him again. You don't want that. Right. So every, every time you think of something, don't hit send. <laughs> right. I never hit reply all. Oh, right. That's a life advice. <laughs> never hit reply all. <laughs> yes, that is life advice. Um, I know that there's a lot of people in our community who are going to get a ton of value from this. You know, they're, they're yeah. 
in these divorce situations and, and finding their way through. So I appreciate your time and your energy here today. And how can our listeners follow up with you if they would like to? Okay. Well, let's see. I have two phone numbers. I have a New York number and a New Jersey number. Okay. Uh, 212-964-3502. And in New Jersey, 201-925-8148. Perfect. I have a website, Divorce by B-Y, Bloom, B-L-O-O-M, dot com. Awesome. You can reach me by email through that website or at Larry at divorcebybloom.com. You know, I'm a lawyer in two states, but, you know, I have a network. So if you have a question about something in another state, I can either try and answer that question for you, try and get the answer for you, or refer you to somebody who might have it. I appreciate that. I imagine everyone does too. Thank you for that. And like I mentioned at the beginning, the Divorce Hour with Larry Bloom episodes are available at your website, divorcebybloom.com. So if anyone wants to check those out too. 102 shows, maybe 103 after this interview. Ah, yes. Perfect. (laughs) Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and other things you can handle in your weekly feed. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. This podcast is for you. So email us at podcast at worthy.com with any questions or ideas that you may have. We look forward to hearing from you.